Mobile is the future. Use it to power up your profits. Welcome to Mobile Power and Profit, presented by Rumble. Our show focuses on the latest news and information impacting mobile marketers, publishers, and technologists. We speak with the power players of mobile monetization. WebmasterRadio.fm presents Mobile Power and Profit, presented by Rumble. Please welcome our host, Wen Tu. Welcome to Mobile Power and Profit, presented by Rumble, the ultimate platform to run your mobile business. This is your host, Wen Tu, and each week we discuss a key aspect of the mobile industry with the mobile thought leader. Wearable and big data technologies are becoming more than just a cool new gadget. As the populace continues to embrace tech on the go, what would this mean for big data? With us today, we have Scott Amix, CEO of Amix and McKinsey, and managing partner of Venture First, to talk about wearable technology and the Internet of Things. Scott has over 18 years of large-scale strategy and implementation experience, managing double-digit million-dollar projects across multiple verticals. In his last corporate position as VP of Product Management, Scott helped the company be acquired by a Fortune 500 publicly traded company. Lots of credentials there. Welcome to the show, Scott. Thank you very much, Wendt. So, Scott, our daily life seems to become becoming more inseparable with technology. We track the weather on our phones, news on the tablet, steps on the Fitbit. Um, wearable tech is simply seeming to take technology to a whole new different level. So, Scott, how is wearable tech being used today, and where do we see and might we expect it to go in the future? Great question, uh, Lynn. I appreciate that. One of the things that we do is, uh, as an agency, we wholly focus on the topic of wearables and the Internet of Things. Uh, so we're looking at it from a pragmatic, but also as a futurist as well. And we speak across uh, around the world on this very topic. In regards to wearables, I think for the mainstream consumers, uh, they're probably uh, referring to the Fitbits, the Apple Watch, uh, in particular around the fitness bands. Mm-hmm. The reality is that that's very much the, the current state, but it's actually progressing very rapidly. Uh, yeah. so we have visibility into the pipeline, uh, whether it's the crowdsourcing, crowdfunding, or the things that's coming up uh, that's not even alpha states. And what I can tell you is that the future of wearables is uh, fairly disruptive. Um, and let me just take a step back for the audience in terms of defining what wearables mean as well as the Internet of Things. Well, first and foremost, uh, we've uh, progressed from very large computers, uh, the days of mainframe to personal computers, and then we had connectivity between the PCs through the Internet, mm-hmm. and we have mobile. What we're doing is essentially the miniaturization of microprocessors. Uh, system on chips has gone to a point where it's, it's lower cost, it's much smaller, and it's much more powerful. And what that means is that the typical computing power that was once available on a laptop or on a phone can now be available on a very small device. Mm -hmm. It can be held or that can be on your body or it can be a machine-to-machine type of a sensor. I'll give you an example. Intel Curie, which is a full-out microprocessor, is able to do a, a lot of the processing power in addition to having some of the uh, primaries of the accelerator and gyroscope, for instance. Um, so what that means is, essentially, uh, we were forced into having to do uh, computing in front of a particular machine, 
like a laptop or a mobile phone. But now we can actually miniaturize it and place that computing power just about anywhere. Um, initially, uh, when it's on your body, we call those wearables. And sometimes it's on our clothing. And sometimes it's in, in the form of a jewelry or a watch, for instance. Uh, it can actually even become small enough to become ingestibles as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then as we go further out in concentric circles, then we have the connected home, uh, such as the Amazon Echo, for instance, smart light bulbs, uh, smart door, door locks, as an example. And then we get into the connected cars, uh, industrial things, smart cities, and so forth. So that's kind of how that works. But it's, it's, the notion is that it's smart, it's connected. And when I say connected, typically, uh, most of these devices, for the most part, are not going directly to um, uh, to the glass cloud via 3G, 4G, LTE in most cases, but rather it's going through a gateway such as your, your smartphone, as an example, or some other gateway. Uh, so the, the future of wearables is that uh, it has an opportunity to take your computing and make it essentially um, ambient and accessible just about anywhere. I mm-hmm. give an example of virtual reality and augmented reality glasses. Okay. Um, most of us, when we think about the Oculus Rift or the Microsoft um, HoloLens or other similar types of AR, VR types of devices, uh, we think about it in the context of entertainment, gaming, and uh, maybe some specific sets of medical devices or, or uh, procedures, for instance, like Google Glass. But one of the things that I, I uh, often talked about and wrote about is the fact that it's a real opportunity, and particularly for AR, augmented reality, is that it has a potential to change the way we work. So likely you're in front of our, you're in front of some sort of a computer, as I am, and most of us have to go into an office setting to work. Well, the future is that we will no longer have to go into an office. Uh, we will no longer have to sit at a table. We will no longer need to have a laptop or a machine in front of us. Uh, literally, the the ambient air becomes our canvas. Uh, through, uh, in this case, a virtual reality, like an Oculus Rift, I can actually have infinite, almost, uh, landscape where I can have any any display, whether it's a spreadsheet, PowerPoint, all those things all open all at the same time and not have any issues around real estate because it's projected in the thin air. Okay. Uh, moreover, uh, using hand gestures and my eye movements and speech called natural language processing, I can essentially command and have human computer interface to be able to manipulate content and do all the things that I do to uh, be productive. That's kind of the, the futuristic side. Uh, on the health and medical application of wearables is that the data that's been collected from your body, uh, or what we call physiological data points, whether it's your EEG, EKG, EMG, gathering skin response, temperature, heart rate, and various forms, various forms of heart rate. Um, and there's a long list of sensor capabilities that's been developed and being incorporated. What this means is that um, we're starting to move away from gross, inaccurate signal processing to something that is highly uh, accurate, uh, that will be medical grade uh, and FDA approved. And that's going to be allowed for them to take that information and really disrupt and transform healthcare. So with yes. all this smart technology that you're talking about, it's fascinating about all the ways that it can be applied. Um, what's interesting is more about how it is, um, how can I say it, uh, emitting data 
especially when it comes to medical in which, you know, you know, augmented reality, virtual reality, having things on clothes and having things, you know, that we wear, it's still tangible. And I feel like people can grasp that concept, even though it may not be perfected yet. But I think having nanochips is something that you can ingest in your body uh, and that it's collecting data and um, transmitting it out to um, whatever processor it is. How does that really work? Because I feel like that is where things become a little bit more science fiction for our audience of how does that happen when it gets to that small of a level, such a microscopic level, that's no longer tangible? How does that sort of work in the future and how far away are we from actually seeing it being used? Great, great question. I think uh, in the extreme example would be some of the Google research that's happening on the nanoparticle side. Mm-hmm. Uh, these nanobots uh, essentially are so tiny that it can actually float within your bloodstream. Mm-hmm. And it's injected and it stays within your body, actually. And what it's doing is uh, oftentimes when we try to diagnose our symptoms, we have to uh, take certain samples, blood, urine, and so forth. But with the nanobots inside your body, it's always constantly moving around and assessing your situation. Um, and and the fact that it's right in the bloodstream means that it's collecting all that richness of data and, and transmitting it through the radio frequency uh, to to your smartphone or some gateway, for instance. To the so it's radioactive? No. In my head, it's very yeah. hard for me to grasp of how it collects data at such a microscopic level. Yeah. Well, again, I, I think um, for the audience, we don't need to get into too much of the, the hard science of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what they need to understand is that um, these, these 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 are essentially very miniature computers, uh, and miniature computers with some level of uh, data collection, uh, sensory collection. So, though it's very small in nanoscale, it's not any different from essentially the concept of M to M, where it's emitting information. Mm-hmm. Right, and then that information gets collected, uh, whether it's through a DLA mechanism, whether it's through a Wi-Fi mechanism, or something a little bit older like a Zigbee or any other short-range radio frequency methodologies. Right, mm-hmm. uh, that data is collected through some sort of IoT platform, uh, and then uh, and then it's analyzed in the cloud. Uh, in the case of uh, more realistic and probably something that people can grasp better is uh, recently. There is a, a cyclist named David Haas who uh, placed uh, second in something called a race across America. Mm-hmm. It's a 3,000 mile cycle across the United States, and it's really essentially nonstop. Mm-hmm. And it took over nine days. And one of the things that uh, David and the team, his, uh, and scientists, including uh, scientists from IBM, did was in addition to strapping him with numerous wearables on the outside, he did in fact ingest them. Um, yeah, what we call ingestibles inside his body as well, inside his body as well. And more so, in addition to the physiological data that was being collected, they were correlating that with the weather data, his past performance, his current his current performance. And we're doing essentially predictive analytics. And I think this is where you know this discussion is going. Um, anyways, and, and really um, the first several times that he tried to um, compete in this race, he was not able to not able to complete it uh, because the the main issue with something like this is that uh, the the sheer lack of sleep uh, and the fatigue um, is is really the number one culprit for people not to complete the race. 
But through big data analytics and with the help of machine learning and using these exogenous data, such as the weather data, for instance, they were able to make predictions that in the next hour, there's going to be a pretty strong wind coming your way. Yeah. And based on our analysis, uh, if you try and cycle through that, you're going to actually expense more energy um, and you're not going to get as much far. You're better off actually taking a two-hour uh, rest to sleep and then cycling thereafter. It's these types of optimization uh, real-time that effectively helps them to come in second place and finish the race. Great. Well, that's fascinating how big data became sort of like a crystal ball for him. Um, we've been learning so much about big data, wearable technologies, and a little bit about nanotechnology with Scott Amex. Uh, stay tuned. We'll be back shortly with more mobile power and profit right after the break. Stay tuned for more mobile power and profit after this brief profit timeout. Hey, this is Danny Sullivan to talk to you about Bruce Clay Incorporated. They've made Inc. Magazine's list of growing private businesses and have exhibited and sponsored at my conferences since the very beginning. You've seen their search engine relationship chart or you've read their SEO code of ethics, seen other SEO experts, but did you know they can help you with PVC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding? Yep, get everything you need for success in the online marketplace. You can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years with offices worldwide, they've got the answers you need. Check them out today at BruceClay.com. Introducing Rumble, the smart mobile management system, the first end-to-end mobile platform where you can make real-time app modifications from a point-and-click dashboard. Want to change the design of your app? Point-click, and it's live in real-time. Want to change the ad map of your app? Point-click, and it's live in real-time. Want to change the content mix of your app? Point-click, and it's live in real-time. Power your mobile business with Rumble. Are you ready to rumble? Visit www.rumble.me. Johnson, what's this mantis I keep hearing about? Do we need to call an exterminator? No, sir. Moby Mantis is our new SMS marketing tool. SM what? SMS, text messaging. Moby Mantis lets us communicate directly with our customers in real time. We can send promos, coupons. It even lets our customers market for us by sharing offers with their friends online. It's been great for business. Hmm, sounds expensive. Actually, I sign us up for an extended free trial. It hasn't cost us a dime. Good work, Johnson. I guess the only thing we'll be exterminating is the competition. To get your free extended trial of Moby Mantis, text RADIO to 21691. That's RADIO to 21691 for Moby Mantis. Giving you the power to increase your profits. This is Mobile Power and Profit, presented by Rumble, only on webmasterradio.fm. Once again, here's Wen Tu. Welcome back to Mobile Power and Profit. Scott Amix has been teaching us a lot about wearable tech as a big data challenge. Advances in data analytics will play a crucial role in the evolution of wearable-based or wearable-assisted mobile payments because they'll help finance companies put consumer data to better use. But Scott, moving on to mobile payments, how can payment companies take all that information that's collected and turn it into something usable and perhaps something not so creepy that consumers are okay with. All right. So I think, uh, well, firstly, we have to frame up and understand the question properly. Um, in terms of the payment, um, so to kind of deconstruct this a little bit, is that um, in the simplest term, we, we really haven't innovated significantly in the sense that we've taken a credit card, physical plastic card, 
um, that's going to have NFC chip built into it. And digitally sto- storing that information on our phone or our, our, our smartwatch. And that's really the extent of it. So to that end, uh, it's not overly exciting um, from yeah, a technology innovation. Yeah, just change innovation. the form factor then. Um, right, and some argue that actually it's still friction. Uh, so there's still friction, and in fact, it's actually still convenient to use a credit card and the NFC yeah. than your than your Apple Watch. Um, I think I think the real exciting part is that um, what we're seeing is going back to the machine learning and the artificial intelligence is that. There are rules that exist and have been in existence around fraud detection for some time. Yeah. But what we're seeing is that through the data uh, that's coming from your smartphone, as an example, your app usage, um, your location data, and if you're if you're wearing a, a smartphone that happens to have something like a health kit or SAMI equivalent yeah. that's picking up your uh, your biometrics. We can start to get other sets of uh, information, data sets that can be overlaid uh, to add sophistication algorithms to fraud detection. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's really one of the exciting parts uh, where uh, the wearables, big data, and, and the payment gets matched up. And of course, when it comes to payments, uh, really the, the real disruptive nature of fintech is around the blockchain technology. The fundamental of the blockchain is uh, it's been applied to bitcoins, cryptocurrency, uh, yeah. but the reality is it's it's equally powerful for security and authentication and certificate uh, um, authentication as well. So there's numerous um, capabilities that things are starting to come up around blockchain technology, including healthcare. So it's so funny how, and when people talk about mobile payments, um, the main focus of the media is the seamlessness, the easiness, the um, um, the frictionless model of it. But it seems like where you see the true value is not um, that red herring of sexy, simple, but really the security factor of blockchains and being able to have more advanced, sophisticated fraud detection. Is that sort of a view that fintech has um, or... Is that something that just came along with the territory? Yeah, no, I think uh, I, I just want to be very clear to the audience, actually, that that's not my position. Um, my position is that the, the payment side is very important. And the reason it's important is that whenever you have a pipeline, and primarily transactional pipeline, and you're taking a, a certain percentage off that, that's a very highly monetizable business model that's important. So what we're seeing is, uh, and I didn't get a chance to finish my, my thought process, is that um, people's reference of mobile payment is a certain fashion, but the real opportunity uh, from, from years away is the notion of virtual currency. Mm-hmm. The virtual currency and peer-to-peer is going to be very disruptive uh, in my mind. Um, matter of fact, we're actually working on some technologies ourselves that's getting to this notion of being able to monetize your micro moments. In other words, um, let me just, just make sure that I set the context for the audience a little bit. When um, advertisers and brands uh, display their ads on the mobile or the smartwatch, as an example, whether it's text in IM or as a display in some app, it is quite distracting and oftentimes irrelevant, regardless if they're using location or contextual information or not. So... Advertisers, as a whole, are struggling to have relevancy in this new era, especially with the younger generation, like the millennials, who 
use ad blockers. In other words, to strip these things out. So with the efficacy down and the relevancy down, uh, they're struggling. One of the ways that we're looking to tackle this is this notion of the digital currency of happiness. In other words, um, many times brands have an emotional identity. Let's take take the example of Mm Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola's emotional identity is happiness. So when we recognize through the wearables, through the IoT sensors, that someone is happy, um, we essentially reward them with, with, with actual virtual currency that is being sponsored by Coca-Cola. Now, why is this important? Because what it's doing is it's actually reinforcing certain types of behavior. One of the things that we're a very big proponent is this notion of habits and behavioral change. So the fact that we as America um, suffer from health issues um, that means that there's, uh, you know, whatever we can do to help them to live a certain healthy lifestyle, right? make certain choices that's optimal for them from a self-actualization point, and, and, and really coach them. And that's really the opportunity is that the, the machines or systems that's uniquely for them, and it's not trying to collect information and publish it out, but rather it's for that individual and the data ownership resides with them. It's helping them to identify when they're, uh, when they exercise and they naturally release endorphins and feeling happy, we recognize that micro moment and say, hey, great job. And by the way, uh, Fitness you know, uh, 24 just gave you, you know, $1 in, in currency value for, for feeling, feeling great about exercising, as an example. Just to interrupt real quick, just to call a spade a spade sometimes, what you're talking about seems to be really advanced loyalty programs. We've seen it sort of in the 80s and 90s with Pepsi points. We've seen it with uh, health insurance companies saying that if you show us you have gym membership, we'll give you this, we'll give you that. It seems that with the new technology, it's just slightly more scalable, slightly smarter. But what is sort of the fundamental sort of aha bigness about what's coming down the pike that you're so excited about that makes it different? Yeah, actually, it's, it's, not, it's not a loyalty program. It's actually uh, it's a psychology of habit and behavioral change. And what we're doing is we're actually, what we're suggesting is we're, we're taking the advertising paradigm and completely changing that to a way that instead of uh, a display or, or contextual messaging, uh, we're saying that we're going to actually sponsor micro moments. Uh, it's, it's a very different concept. Uh, it's a concept that I'm going to be actually speaking on TEDx about. Uh, so hence, it's it's you know for most people it's difficult to grasp. But underlying what's happening is that it's it's a notion of virtual currency. It's it's a blockchain technology, and that's the kind of things that we're going to see. And then to layer on top of that, uh, one of the things that's going to be very interesting is uh, let's talk about the network as a whole. We talk about competing on the edge, and and that eventually the, the edge itself is going to be sophisticated enough that they can do a lot of the processing and analysis without having to. Do and to get to the cloud. It's going to take a little bit of time, but eventually we'll get there, and with the self-healing ad hoc network, uh, wireless network capabilities, we're going to bypass uh, a big chunk of the Internet, uh, which is very interesting. And that has huge implications to telecom, huge implications to the way we communicate, Mm -hmm. and huge implications to to, to the economy, because when I make a payment, instead of having to go through my smartphone to the cloud and then to API services, now I can actually transact truly peer-to-peer, maybe it's via Wi-Fi, maybe it's via BLE, low-power wide area network capabilities, 
uh, and be able to do all that even without ever, ever, ever having to actually hit any of the infrastructure. That's the kind of um, opportunities that we're going to start to see. And uh, we start to see a little bit of that with things like Open Garden, mm-hmm. um, FireChat, and, and some of those things that are using more of a mesh network and decentralized types of networks. Well, wow, this has been really educational, Scott. We have been sitting here with Scott Amix giving us great information and background from mobile payments to micropayments. Keep listening for more mobile power and profit. Stay tuned for more mobile power and profit after this brief profit timeout. Whether you are an online business or domain name investor, you need access to the best names. With over 270 million domains already registered, finding the right names at the best price requires a great wingman. Namejet.com puts you in the pilot seat by giving you fast and unparalleled access to some of the best premium and expired domain names on earth. As the number one domain name auction platform, Namejet.com is the best place to find domains for your business or investments. So light the afterburners to the domain name aftermarket and fly over to Namejet.com at mock speed to get great domains today. Namejet.com. Reinventing keyword research, simplifying campaign optimization, redefining competitive analysis, SpyFu brings you an entirely new way to find the most profitable keywords for your SEO and PPC campaigns. New tools, new data, and a brand new look. We've streamlined SpyFu so that you can optimize your search engine marketing more efficiently, more accurately, and more intuitively. Visit SpyFu.com, that's S-P-Y-F-U.com, and start downloading your competitors' keywords now. Try it free. Finding links to improve your rankings in the search engines is time-consuming and frustrating for many of us. The Hoth is the go-to company to help lighten your link-building load. Their white-label SEO was made specifically for agencies, in-house SEOs, and affiliates. The Hoth also offers high-quality custom local citation building to improve search rankings in Google's Maps and localized results. Providing fulfillment for some of the largest SEO companies in the world, The Hoth offers link and citation building services you can trust. Get $20 in link building or citation building credits free by going to thehoth.com slash radio. T-H-E-H-O-T-H dot com slash radio. Giving you the power to increase your profits. This is Mobile Power and Profit, presented by Rumble, only on webmasterradio.fm. Once again, here's Wen Tu. Thank you for staying tuned to Mobile Power and Profit. About 20% of American adults owns a wearable device, but issues such as price, privacy, security, lack of actionable data, and inconsistent data from such devices continue to thwart greater adoption. One-third of American consumers who have owned a wearable product stopped using it within six months, and half of those with activity trackers no longer use it. We have been talking with Scott Amix here, who's been telling us about big data, Internet of Things, mobile payments, micropayments that seems to be all connected here. So, Scott, what do you think will be the future of what really makes wearable products or any of the things that we talked about today um, be successful? Um, What kind of challenges do you think they will need to overcome to really um, grow into much more of a norm in today's society? It needs to leverage existing behavior. And it needs to make sure that the value add, uh, the, 
the value proposition is strong. I'll give you an example. Uh, if you survey those who have Amazon Echo, um, for the most part, it's a very overwhelming positive response. Mm-hmm. It's a technology that uses natural language processing, and um, it's very exciting. It's more than just a, a list that you, you, you keep track of of what you need to purchase or refill. It starts to actually understand your your needs, take notes, and it's essentially a machine learning system. Mm-hmm. Of course, we take that even further and, and talk about the ambient virtual assistant, uh, notion of a Siri Cortana that exists not on a simple machine, uh, but rather it's, um, it's ambient, it's all around you, regardless of your location and geospatial. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to pause there. What I'm going to say around the privacy and security is that, yes, there's a lot of work that's being done at the consortium and at the alliance level and the interoperability. Yeah. I personally published on this topic on Information Week and contributed to academic textbooks as well as been interviewed by Forrester on this very topic. Uh, it, it's a work in progress, and I think first and foremost, um, it's something that the industry needs to work through. Um, but in addition to that, uh, the responsibility also needs to be shared with the consumers. And the consumers need to be very cognizant of what they're accepting and not accepting. Mm-hmm. And more importantly, just in a simple uh, opt-in, opt-out, they need to be looking for notions of data vaults that allows for them to manage granularity around their preferences, turn things on and off at the various very specific levels. Um, so in other words, if I'm sharing a location data with an app, for instance, it's not always on, but it's per use, uh, and I specify that and who I share that information with. Mm-hmm. And then in terms of the future, <clears throat> we think that the future is around two concepts. One is um, data analytics. The definition of data analytics is, is evolving from the days of uh, business intelligence or BI. Uh, and data marts to more of uh, AI machine learning uh, supportive like the IBM Watson s- system uh, that is using sophisticated techniques like regression clustering, decision tree with supervised and supervised learning. And, and taking not just your data that typically resides or you have access to, but pulling in exogenous data to have correlation and multivariate uh, and then really look at the, the, the coefficients of these variables. That's when things get exciting. And I'll give a very quick example just to make it a little bit more tangible for the listeners. Is that when uh, you take weather data, as an example, and you combine that with proprietary, let's say, dryers, ice cream company data, mm-hmm. what they learn is when it, ra- when it rains, uh, sales or demand for ice cream goes up. Why? Because ice cream one of, is one of those things that's a comfort food. So when it rains, they want to cu- cuddle up with a hot coffee or chocolate. And strangely enough, you know, they want to have ice cream. Moreover, uh, when there's a higher demand for ice cream, <clears throat> their pricing actually goes down, which is counterintuitive, but that's the kind of uh, insights that big data is going to provide. Mm. And, of course, it's the predictive analytics that's going to be really amazing and, and helpful in terms of optimizing our decision points on uh, purely empirical methods uh, across the sales, marketing, operation, supply chain, and manufacturing. And lastly, uh, aside from the data analytics, is going to be the API economy. In other words, uh, take the example going back to Watson again, is that no one firm is going to hold all the IP or the innovation. Rather, they're going to open that up to allow for others to consume those API services and to innovate on top of it. In uh, the process, it's doing several things. One is um, it's actually teaching the system with more data in different sets of data, use cases, verticals. Um, 
and it, and teaching the models and making the system smarter to be able to handle different different scenarios. Amazing. Uh, to for IBM to do that on their own, it would be cost prohibitive and the time would be ridiculous. But by opening it up to others, other developers, um, it, it accelerates the innovation and the, and the teaching of the system itself. Moreover, um, it allows for faster velocity of innovation because now companies, instead of having to build uh, the foundational pieces, can now leverage multiple sets of API services and build on top uh, to add their secret value add layer and, and create a very unique proposition. And lastly, um, the API services can be powerful because it's a utility-based model. So based on transactions or processing or packets, they can charge uh, and price that. And based on the scale and volume, um, you're monetizing off every transaction. And that's a very profitable and a scalable business model. Great. So that has been so educational, Scott. It, it seems very clear that the brave new future of technology is really all about big data. Our listeners out there, we heard keywords, machine learning, NLP, natural language processing, blockchains, ambient systems. These are all things that I feel like the general public should be aware of and understand a little bit more. Scott, thank you so much for coming on the show and teaching us about the brave new future that's in store. It's my pleasure. Thank you. To all our listeners, remember you can find this and more podcast episodes of Mobile Power and Profit in the iTunes store or simply going to mobilepowerandprofit.com. Tell us what you thought of today's episode on social media using the hashtag RumbleMPP. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of Mobile Power and Profit presented by Rumble, the ultimate platform to run your mobile business. This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.WebmasterRadio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.